This podcast is brought to you by Pastor Stormy Swan and Faith Christian Family Church of Lubbock, Texas. For more information, please visit faithchurchlubbock.com. We've been talking about extreme makeovers. If you need a Bible, why don't you raise your hand up real high with me. Get it up there and our ushers will get you a Bible so you can see the Word of God. Once you've got a Bible, go with me to 1 John chapter 3. Way back there in the back, 1 John 3, you saw up there, we're going to talk about Mary Magdalene this morning. It's going to take us a little bit of time to get there. want to give us a little bit of foundation on where we're going today. 1 John 3 is where we'll begin. Now, this is the fifth week of it. We talked about John. We talked about the Samaritan woman. Ooh, God moved in her life. We talked about Matthew, who started out as a tax collector. Then um, last week we went to the lame man, and so we've seen a, a wide variety of people, and you're going to see another one today, and I tell you, it's, this is a moving passage here today. So begin with me in 1 John chapter 3, verse number 4. Whoever commits sin or practices sin also commits lawlessness. And sin is lawlessness. So, you know, to understand biblically what he's talking about here, we've got to define two words. First of all, the word sin, it, it literally means to rebel against God's word. So when God tells us to do something and we cho- choose to go against that, that sin, we've re- rebelled against what God said. Now, the word lawlessness, the word lawlessness, it, it, it literally means to violate God's restraints or, or God's uh, restrictions. And so it's unregulated or unrestrained. So this is how it would look. As people that when we live under the word of God, we say, Father God, we want our lives to be re- regulated by your word. We want to be restrained by our words. But when lawlessness kicks in, we're unrestrained and we're unregulated. And so you literally see that happening not only in America, but in, in our world. The Bible's very clear that it says in these last days that lawlessness will begin to abound. Now, how that can look, if, if you were to go back 40 years or so, uh, you know, I, when, when I was in school, you would see the Ten Commandments there before you. And so what happens as a society when we kick God out of our schools and we kick God out of our courtrooms and all that, we as a people basically said, Father God, we don't want to be restrained or we don't want to be regulated by your work. And so you're beginning to see the, the issues of that when that happens in our life. That lawlessness is really abounding. Keep reading verse number 5. And you know that he, Jesus, was manifested to take away our sins. Not to help us to sin, but to take away our sins. In Jesus, there is no sin. Whoever abides in him. Now, I want to stop there just a second because you're going to see the word abide referenced several times this morning. The word abide means to live in, to remain in, better yet, to continue in. And so he says here in verse 6, whoever abides or continues in him does not sin. For whoever sins has neither seen him nor known him. Now, John here, guys, he's not, he's not preaching perfectionism. He's not saying that you're going to have to be a perfect human being, but what he is telling us that I can't habitually keep sinning. 
And if you've really been born again in your life, when you sin, it should really bother you. Where you say, man, I don't want to do that, Father God. I don't want to displease you. I don't want to do any of those things that I know in my heart is rebellion against you. Verse 7. Little children, let no one deceive you or lead you astray. He who practices righteousness is righteous just as he is righteous. Now, he says you got to practice it. you got a purpose to do it. Verse 8. He who sins is of the devil. Now, what happens in that statement there, I believe, is this, that before you give your heart to Jesus, I don't care who you are, your nature is that of the devil. If you don't ever receive Jesus as Lord of your life, your nature's always going to be that of the devil. And so my nature is going to be that of God when I get born again, or my nature is going to be that of the devil. And whoever your nature is of, that's who you're going to live like. You're going to imitate that. And so this is what he's talking about right here. So he says, he who sins is of the devil. That's his nature. That's his character. For the devil has sinned from the beginning. But for this purpose, the Son of God, the Lord Jesus, was manifest that he might destroy the works of the devil. Now think about that word right there. The works of of the devil. There's certain things that the devil would like to incorporate in your life. And one of the ways that happens is when I never received Jesus as Lord of my life, and so we give him an opportunity to work in his life. You'll hear me reference this verse too also Ephesians 4:27 says, "Do not give place to the devil. Don't open the door to the devil." And when I open the door to the devil, this is the stuff that begins to happen. So he said, he who sins is that of the devil. For the devil sinned from the beginning. For this purpose, the Son of God was manifest. Thank God he was manifest for that person. That he may destroy the works of the devil. Whoever has been born to God does not sin. For his seed or his nature remains in him. And he cannot sin or does not practice sin. Because he has been born of God. And so when you begin to look at this right here. Sin is, is not a way of life for a believer. And then God comes in and God graces us and God helps us and he mercies us. You know, when you get born again, the Bible says in, in 2 Corinthians 5, he said, you become a new creation. Not on the outside, but on the inside. And so part of getting born again is this, you've changed your nature. Now, turn with me to the book of Luke chapter 7. Luke chapter 7, and we'll go a little farther. Just to give us some references here. And this, this passage may really bear witness with you, okay? This is a, a really, really moving passage to me because of my past, before I gave my heart to Jesus. And so Luke chapter 7, verse 36. Then one of the Pharisees. Now understand this about a Pharisee. A Pharisee was normally viewed as very religious very arrogant, and very prideful. Almost that aroma in their life, I'm better than you. So look here, Luke 7, or Luke 7, verse 36. Then one of the Pharisees asked him to eat with him. And he went to the Pharisee's house and he sat down to eat. And behold, a woman in the city who was a sinner. Who was a sinner. So you can get the idea right there. I mean, everybody in the city knew she was a sinner. What do sinners do? 
They sin. That's exactly what they do. So she was a sinner. When she knew that Jesus sat at the table in the Pharisee's house, she brought an alabaster flask of fragrant oil. And she stood at his feet behind him, weeping. Now get a picture of this, weeping. And she began to wash his feet with her tears. And she wiped them with the hair of her head. And she kissed his feet and anointed them with the fragrant oil. This woman who was a sinner. Now, an interesting passage in this, or interesting part in this passage is this. She came to Jesus. She came to Jesus just as she was. And note, Jesus didn't tell the woman, listen, quit sinning and then come back to me. No. When this woman came to Jesus and responded to Jesus, I believe she began to sense his love and his mercy toward her. He didn't judge her and he didn't condemn her in any way. But watch what takes place with the religious man. Verse 39. Now when the Pharisee who invited Jesus saw this, he spoke to himself, saying, This man, Jesus, if he were a prophet, he would know who and what manner of woman this is who is touching him, for she's a sinner. How dare this woman who's a sinner touch him? But it's like he's judging Jesus and he says, if this guy was really a prophet, he would be smart enough to figure this out. Now he doesn't say it out loud. He says it to himself. He, he's muttering it or he's thinking about it in his mind. And, and, and watch what Jesus does here. Verse 40. And Jesus answered. Now the guy's saying this to himself and he's thinking. And Jesus answers what the guy's thinking. And he said to him, Simon, I have something to say to you. So he said, teacher, say it. There was a certain creditor who had two debtors. One owed 500 denar and the other 50. Now it's very apparent in here that one owed more than the other. But the point that Jesus is making is not that this one owed more than the other. The point that Jesus ultimately makes here is they both owed something. Both of them did. And, and where that lines up with you and me as human beings is this. All of us have sinned. Every one of us has sinned. Every one of us has fallen short of the glory. The only issue with it is this. Some of us have sinned more than others. That's me, okay? I understand this. This is why this can be very moving to me. Keep reading. And when they, both of them, had nothing which to repay, and I don't care how little or much you've sinned, you can never repay what Jesus did for you. Never. And they had nothing to repay. He freely forgave them both. Tell me, therefore, which of them will love him more? And Simon, the Pharisee, answered and said, I suppose the one whom you forgave more. And he said to him, you have rightly judged. And so Jesus here is teaching the principle, the greater the forgiveness, the greater the love. Now, 
he was not teaching that you got to do a bunch of bad things for you to appreciate forgiveness and love, okay? That's why not what he was preaching. I do honor this right here, guys. I honor people that have served Jesus their whole life. And I, I think it's incredible. It's one of the greatest testimonies that I can see. And I'm not saying they, they, they honor Jesus their whole life and they become arrogant and prideful about it like this guy, like he had his nose up in the air. But they just live very humbly. And, and you see the hand of God was upon them for their own life. So the point is here, it, it doesn't matter if you've been forgiven little or big. Man, just be grateful. Be thankful to him. And so watch how grateful this woman was. Do you see this woman? I entered your house and you gave me no water for my feet. But she's washed my feet with her tears and wiped them with the hair of her head. You gave me no kiss, but this woman has not ceased to kiss my feet since the time I came in. You did not anoint my head with oil, but this woman has anointed my feet with fragrant oil. Therefore, I say to you, your, her sins, which are many, are forgiven. For she loved much, but to whom little forgiven, the same loves little. And so, she realizes the depth of her sin. But yet, Jesus still loved her. And he still showed her mercy. And I say to the ones of you in this room today, I don't care how much you've sinned or what you've done. When I respond to Jesus with a heart of gratitude like this woman did, it's incredible. He goes on to say in verse 48, then he said to her, your sins are forgiven. Now can you imagine what this woman thought at that minute? When Jesus said, and everybody there knew she was a sinner, that was the description of her life. Jesus said, your sins are forgiven. That's incredible. That'll set you free right there. That'll bring you to tears. Jesus still loves the sinner. Now, turn just to one book further, or one chapter, John chapter 8. You're right there. Look at verse number 1. And let's begin here, and we're going to dive in a little bit to old Mary Magdalene. Verse number 1 of John, or Luke 8, I'm sorry, Luke 8, verse 1. Now it came to pass afterward that Jesus went through every city and village, preaching and bringing the glad tidings of the kingdom of God. And the twelve were with him. Now that's what the word of God will do. That's good news. Verse 2. And certain women... Now, what you're going to begin to see here is a little bit of a pattern of all these different women that were involved in Jesus' life. And in the Jewish culture at that time, women were treated as second-class citizens. But when you look at how Jesus treated them, Jesus treated them with dignity and Jesus treated them with honor. And so it says here, there were certain women who had been healed of evil spirits and infirmities. Mary called Magdalene, out of whom he had cast seven demons. And Joanna, the wife of Chusa, Herod's steward, and Susanna, and many others who provided him from their substance. So he starts talking about all these women right here in this passage. And then he brings up how he had set different ones free. 
But it says how they had provided for him with their substance. They had supported Jesus' ministry with their giving, I believe. And so you look at all these women he lists and you have to say, why did they support Jesus with all their money or their substance? The answer is in verse 2. Look again in verse 2. And certain women who had been healed of evil spirits and infirmities. They'd been healed. And the word infirmities means weakness. And so Jesus had set them free. Jesus had healed them. And they were so grateful. They said, we just want to give into your ministry. But I believe it was more than that. I believe they wanted to see other people healed and set free. So they said, we want to be a part of the kingdom. Now look at the last of verse 2. Mary called Magdalene, out of whom came seven demons, or seven devils. And so you begin to look at this woman here, who had seven devils in her. And I want to highlight here, it just shows you the power of the cross, the power of the blood, the power of Jesus' broken body. And this woman named Mary Magdalene, who had these seven demons in her, she starts living for Jesus. She had an encounter with Jesus. And what I love about this is just because she had seven demons in her didn't mean she was a bad person, didn't mean she was a bad girl, bad girl. It meant she had made some bad choices and she had allowed the devil to come in. She gave the devil opportunity to come in. She opened the door to him. See, you have seven demons in you and it's not a result of living holy. You've done something to invite that in. Turn to Luke chapter 24. As you're turning there, one of the things I want to highlight about her is it didn't disqualify her. Just because she had some junk in her life. And remember what we read in 1 John 3? That Jesus came to destroy the works of the devil. Thank God. Luke 24. Let's learn a little bit more about old Mary Magdalene. Verse number 1. Luke 24, 1. Now on the first day of the week, very early in the morning, they and certain other women with them, came to the tomb, bringing the spices which they had prepared. But they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. Then they went in and did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. And it happened as they were greatly perplexed about this, that behold, two men stood by them in shining garments. Then as they were afraid and bowed their faces to the earth, they said to him, Why do you seek the living among the dead? He's not here, he's risen. But remember how he spoke to you when he was still in Galilee saying, the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men, be crucified, and the third day rise again. And they remembered his word. Then they returned from the tomb and told all these things to the leaven and to all the rest. And it was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary the mother of James, and other women with them who told these things to the apostles. So you see right here, this woman who he cast seven demons out, Scripture shows us, that she was at the cross when Jesus was being crucified. And on this Sunday morning, she goes to the tomb to anoint his body, and he's not there. 
But what you begin to see about this woman, Mary Magdalene, not only did she give her heart and get born again, but she continued to serve Jesus. She continued to follow Jesus. You know what that means? She wasn't Christian just in name, just in theory. You know, a lot of people have this thought, well, I received Jesus as Lord of my life, and that's it. That's not it. The key is to receive Jesus as Lord of, his, of your life and allow his nature to start coming on the inside. Of you, and you start living for him. You start being a disciple of his. You start being Christ-like. And that's one of the things I saw with her. That she never quit serving Jesus. Turn to the book of Mark. Chapter 16. Mark chapter 16. Now you can never forget she had a past. And the Bible re refreshes us with that thought over and over again. You'll see it in there. Mary Magdalene whom Jesus cast seven devils out of. Mark 16. Verse 1. Now when the Sabbath was passed. Mary Magdalene. Mary, the mother of James, and Salome, not Salome, Salome, bought spices that they might come and anoint him. Now understand this, when they brought spices, that was their custom to anoint their body. But it was even more than that. It, it would be like me and you bringing flowers. Just to honor. Just to gratitude. Just to say, man, we, we, we ought to honor your life. Same chapter, verse 9. Now, when Jesus rose early on the first day of the week, he appeared first to Mary Magdalene, out of whom he had cast seven demons. Now, I don't know if we really get a hold of that. Now, think about this. This is the Son of God. This is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. He dies on the cross on Friday. He spends a few days in hell. He raised, he's raised from the dead. And here he comes strolling out. And the first person he comes in contact with was the very woman that he cast seven devils out of. And so it shows me two things. Number one, Jesus loves the sinner. It doesn't matter what you've done in life. When you receive him as Lord of, of your life and let him come into your heart, he'll begin to change the way you live. But also, this again shows me she never quit following Jesus. She kept abiding with Jesus. She kept living for Jesus. And that's the key. That when I keep living with Jesus, he's going to keep just setting me free. There's a process of transformation. Transformation. And before long, it is an extreme makeover. And this may be one of the greatest extreme makeovers in all the Bible. Look at verse 15. This is called the Great Commission. And if you'll note, this is red letter words. This is what Jesus said. And he said to them, go into all the world and preach the gospel. To every creature, to every person. He who believes and baptized will be saved, but he who does not believe, he will be condemned. And these signs will follow those who believe in my name, in the name of Jesus they will cast out demons. Now I want to highlight that because throughout scripture when Jesus was on earth, he modeled that. 
He said, this is what you do. And he said, so he said right there, in my name, in the name of you'll cast out devils. Now, he wouldn't have told us to do that if we weren't still supposed to do it. But also, the key is, in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Then he goes on to say this. They will speak with new tongues. They will take up serpents. They will drink anything deadly. It will by no means hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick. And they will recover. And every bit of that's in the name of Jesus. There's a guy. He's not here this morning. A few weeks back. He asked us to pray for him. For healing in his body. Just like what Jesus said. Right there. He said lay hands on the sick. And he'll recover. We laid hands on his hand. And just spoke in the name of Jesus. Over 25 years ago, he was a Marine. He had broke a bone in his hand, but he had never had anything to do. And he said at times he'd have great pain and was all crooked. And he said, when you guys prayed for me in the name of Jesus, he said, check this out, Pastor. And he showed me, he said, my bones are all healed. Everything's lined back up. And he said, I can't figure it out. And I said, I can figure it out. It's the name of Jesus. It's the name of Jesus. Jesus still does this thing. So the reason I want you to see this right here is this is what Jesus commissions believers to do. But I got to understand, listen, guys, I have no power and you have no power in my abilities. It's everything in the name of Jesus and he gets the glory and honor. I'm not a healer. Jesus is the healer. And understand that when I get over and believe this and stand on the word of God and say, this is what we're going to do. You know, in the last few weeks, I've had people that have come up to me and said, I got devils. I got demons. Just like that. You know what I said? Well, let's just pray over you in the name of Jesus. And we didn't freak out. We didn't do anything crazy. We weren't crazomatics. We just obeyed the scripture. And said in the name of Jesus. Now go with me the book of Luke chapter number 8. I mean John chapter 8, excuse me. John chapter 8. So if Jesus would set Mary Magdalene free. Would he set you free? Would he set me free? Yeah, he would. He would. Now, I can stand before you today, and I can tell you, I've had demons that were cast out of me when I was about 19 or 20 years old, and it was because I opened myself up to that stuff. And so, again, you're going to see some things biblically here that you really, really need to be open about, okay? Let's be New Testament taught here, all right? John chapter 8, verse 31. Then Jesus said to those Jews who believed him. If you abide in my word, you are my disciple indeed. Two qualifications right there to be a disciple of Christ. Number one, you must believe in Jesus. You must ask Jesus to come into your heart and say, Lord Jesus, be Lord of my life. That's Romans 10, 9 and 10. That's how you get born again. Jesus comes on the inside of you and makes you a new creation. The second thing he said is you must abide. Now, there's that word. 
If you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed. So we go back and refresh you on the word abide. It means to remain. It means to live in. It means to continue. So he said, you've got to not only give your heart to me, but then you've got to continue with me. You've got to continue abiding in the word. And that's what we saw with Mary Magdalene. She kept hanging out with Jesus. But he doesn't stop there. Look at verse 32. And, and... You shall know the truth, and the truth will make you free. Now, you know what? A lot of believers will quote verse 32. You know the truth, the truth will set you free. That's not true. If you don't obey verse 31. Verse 32 hinges on verse 31. You must be born again. You must believe And then you start abiding in the Word. And the more you're in the Word and you just keep getting in the Word and you keep getting in the Word and you keep getting in the Word, you live the Word. You're not Christian just in name. You actually are a doer of the Word. He said, then you will be set free. But i got to stay in the Word. Now, the great evangelist Smith Wigglesworth said this. He said, we feed our natural man three hot meals a day at least. And we feed our spirit man one cold snack a week. And we wonder why we're starving spiritually. What would happen if we reversed that? And we fed our spirit man three hot meals a day. And we filled our physical man only one snack a week. Somebody said, we can't do that. Can't do that. See, but think about this. If I did that physically, I would be... Physically malnourished, but spiritually, if I don't take time to get in the Word, this is what happens. We starve to death. And so Jesus' Word here, He said, get in the Word and the Word will set you free. So when I read this right here, i got to ask you a question here. Do believers need to be set free? Well, who was Jesus writing to here? Those Jews who believed, those ones who were born again. And so, yes, believers can need to be set free. And people say, wait a minute, I'm a Christian. I don't need to be set free. And on top of that, Pastor, I'm not in bondage. It's just a weakness. Well, how long have you had that weakness? Well, just 20 years. Look what happens in verse 33 here. They answered him and said, we are Abraham's descendants. And we've never been in bondage to anyone. How can you say we will be made free? These guys said they don't need to be made free. We've never been in bondage to anybody. You know what the word bondage means? It means impulsive or compulsive behavior that limits my life to what Jesus did for me. But right here they said we don't need to be set free. We've never been in bondage to anyone. Well, I can go back and read my Bible. They were in bondage to the Egyptians for 400 years. And when this was wrote right here, Jesus said this, they were in bondage to the Romans right then. This is one of the biggest issues to be set free right here. Can you admit it? Can you admit it and say, I'm in bondage. I need to be set free. And I'm not just talking about sinful things. 
I need to be set free. Yeah, it could be sin. I need to be set free from lust. I need to be set free from anger. I need to be set free from alcohol. I need to be set free from this or that. But it can just be physical hangups of my flesh. How many of you in bondage to TV? Oh, pastor, here's a hand. Thank you for being honest over there, buddy. <laughs> so we go around the room. There's things that, that aren't necessarily bad, but they can be bondage. You know, I was telling some of these guys earlier, man, I got to watch drinking coffee. I can drink too much coffee. I can be in bondage to coffee. But if I can't admit it, I need to be set free. And so I remember at 20 years old, I got all these crazy manifestations going on in my life. And the only explanation is this thing called the devil. And I've given my heart to Jesus, but this is what I keep doing. Like the apostle Paul said, the thing I want to do, that's not what I do. But the things that I don't want to do, that's what I do. How many of you have ever been there? Let me say I'm there right now, pastor. I was there. And I'm telling you, Jesus set me free. He set me free. He set me free from alcohol. He set me free from sexual immorality. He, he set me free. I'm telling you, he did an extreme makeover in this. And I, I remember after my brother prayed for me, and actually my brother cast the devil out of me. He said, in the name of you, come out of him. Some of you need to listen real close to what I'm getting ready to say. After my brother cast the devil out of me, he said, Father God, how did the devil get such a stronghold in my brother? Remember, Ephesians 4, 27, don't give place to the devil. You know what the Lord told him? It's all that junky music he listens to. Don't think that stuff's harmless. Well, what'd you listen to? To hell with the devil. I'm on the highway, not to heaven, to hell. I'd sing all that stuff. You get that was my confession every day. I'm on the highway to hell. Think about all the lyrics you put in there, and I listened to a bunch of music that was just deaf. So you gotta ask yourself, am I opening the door in certain situations in my own life? I'm not going to have you turn there, but a great reference to all this is Romans 6, verse 15 and 16. Romans 6, verse 15 says, Shall we continue to sin that grace may abound? Certainly not. Jesus didn't die so I could sin more. Jesus died so I don't sin anymore. And that's the problem with the church. We want to try to put a band-aid on things and act like I can just keep sinning. Jesus is okay with it. That's what grace is for. He says in Romans 6, verse 15, 16, and 17, he says, Whom do you present yourself to obey that you who become a slave of? If you obey righteousness, then you live under righteousness. If you obey sin, then sin becomes your master. It's going to be one or the other. Now look what he says here at the end, verse 34 and 30, or 35 and 36. And a slave does not abide in the house forever, but a son abides forever. Therefore, if the Son makes you free, you'll be free indeed. What's interesting about that verse? If. If the Son makes you free, you'll be free indeed. So you know what a lot of people will say? Well, if Jesus wants me to be free, then I'll just be free. That's not what he's talking about right there. When he said, if the Son makes you free, you'll be free indeed. You know what that means? Jesus did everything that he said he would do, so it comes back onto me. Do I admit it? Am I humble enough to come and say, Man, Father God, I'm in bondage. 
I'm dominated by this in, my area, in this area of my life. And a lot of times, you know what we'll say? Well, I, I don't want everybody to know. How would you like to be Mary Magdalene? And every time this verse is open, people get a read. And Mary Magdalene, whom they cast seven devils out of. How would you like? You know what Mary was? Mary was more concerned about getting set free than what people thought. And you know what? One day we're going to stroll into heaven and Jesus is going to come walking up with this beautiful woman and I don't know how it's going to happen in heaven, but I imagine this. And you say to Jesus, who's that with you? And he says, Mary. And you say, hi, Mary. And she said, Mary Magdalene, the one who he cast seven devils out of. And I'm in heaven because I chose to respond to Jesus. And Jesus made me into this. Jesus came into my heart. And I'm no longer bound. I'm no longer dominated. Thank you for listening today. For more information, please visit faithchurchlubbock.com.